Howdy folks, thanks for joining us again for the Quality Matters podcast. Today we are wrapping up our podcast that we recorded live from the ASQ Professional Dinner. But hey, check out the uh, last of our recording and we hope you enjoy. Um, so our next article that we're going to talk about is uh, called Making Changes in Pursuit of Enhanced Organizational Quality. Um, in today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. So the one we're going to talk about is John Cotter's eight-step change model. It's good information. It's good information. So step one is to establish a sense of urgency about the need to make changes. Amen. Amen. But how do we do that? Because I would think you would not want to create panic. No, and it's not It's not so much create panic. What I have seen firsthand for companies I worked for, for companies I've consulted with, is they have the meeting, they get the people in the conference room, if they even do that, maybe it's just an email that goes out. God forbid you start a program with an email. <laughs> um, and so they, they just talk kind of casually, this is what we're gonna do, and then they close the meeting, and you don't hear anything about it till next, month, next month's meeting. There, well, there's no sense of urgency there. A sense of urgency would be, hey, maybe we, do, we pull everyone in the conference room, but we're only talking about this topic, because we're interested about this right now. Maybe we do it at a weird time of day, Tuesday at 2 o'clock, right? You know, why don't we have a meeting then? Because this is important. And she so talk about it. And then we, I think, uh, listen, you mentioned earlier about, you know, those, those, uh, those one-on-one engagements with ma- with, uh, for management to, uh, you know, to the, the bottom-level employees is you do. You sit down and you talk to every single person individually every single day. And if this is a program or a project that's important, that's gonna happen and your people they catch on people aren't dumb but most people are lazy and i mean we all are to some degree and and if someone throws something at you and you know that realistically they're not going to follow up on it and you're already working 40 hours a week you're probably not going to jump on it i wouldn't kind of makes me think about the podcast (laughs) hey we're going to start a podcast (laughs) (laughs) so you did not follow step one no, <laughs> but but this applies in yeah, not husband wife relationship. That's different. <laughs> you, you can't you can't treat that the same. <laughs> All right. So step two is to form a powerful high level coalition to guide and lead the changes. This one even I knew was important because yes. what we've seen in our business is that people will create a team and say, okay, this is our ISO team or yep. our quality team or our whatever team. And they're in charge, but they're not really in charge. No. They still have to go to this person to get permission. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to trust them, trust you need them. To actually trust them. Yeah, actually trust them. But if you're going to actually trust someone, is it one thing to leave a meeting saying, you guys get final say on these things? Okay. Well, as soon as we leave this meeting, what I remember these things being and what Darcy remembers these things being is totally different. So we need to have some documentation. We need to have some things written down. We, even if it's nothing but a file folder on the network share where you put your notes on there, 
this is what we agreed on. All right, guys, you, you run with it. And set some expectations for the meeting. So it's one thing to give a, you know, kind of a coalition team like this uh, freedom and, and authority to do things, but you're still in charge. Right. But they just need to have the power to mm -hmm. approve things. And, and they also need to have influence, is what the article yep. says. So they need to have a good rapport with whoever it is they're going to be working with. And that makes me think about the episode we did. Um, it was another case study from ASQ about Orkin. Oh, yeah. You remember? That was a great And when one. they decided to do the ISO certification nationwide, that's what they did. They pulled um, senior level guys, yep. or not senior levels, but they had years of experience right. to be Senior'd their- Seniored people. Yeah, to be their quality team, to come in and work alongside each branch. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, oh great, it's some consultant coming to tell me what to do, <laughs> you know? They knew what these guys in the field had been yeah. through because they had worked their way up and they came in as a yeah. partner and said, hey, we're gonna be here to work with you and help you because we know what you've been through. And, and that, you know, this thing that it gets talked about often, we talked about it today, the, the bottom, you know, uh, top kind of integration of, of working with the folks, but it really is so amazingly important. I mean, I even remember back when I worked at Best Buy, right? So we're talking about retail. Um, you wouldn't think that these things apply so much at retail, but hey, I take pride in it. I had a top performing department every single week of the year and one of the ways that I did that is I made an absolute point that I had a conversation, a documented conversation with every single team member, every single shift that I worked with them. Is if I worked with you, I had notes about something that we talked about, and not because I wanted a, a, a gotcha, um, but it showed to them I'm serious, but if I gave them the freedom to, to do something, they also knew that they had the freedom because I documented exactly what they had freedom to do. Well, and I think number three goes to a little bit about what you talked about in forming the team is to create a vision of the organization's future. Yeah. So like you said, before you leave the meeting, you need to have the details yeah. planned out. You need it, to stay, this will help you stay focused uh -huh. and direct the change. And again, that's the why piece, right? I don't care how great computers get. I don't care how awesome automation gets. I don't care about AI and all this type of stuff. The computer will never understand why. It won't, it'll never <laughs> understand why. We understand why, so that you know as we talk about the quality matters. It's it's whatever matters to you, but you you find that, and you have to communicate what matters to the organization to your people. They'll either rally behind it or they won't, and then maybe you you know actions you need to take. <laughs> yeah, you need people on your team that share your vision. Amen. Um, number four goes back to what you said about number one, establishing the sense of urgency. Number four says to communicate your new vision that you created. Number three, communicate it widely, repeatedly, and consistently. Amen, 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 amen. Yeah. That is a huge deal. I mean, again, this, this goes to anywhere that I've worked, whether it was, you know, working for Best Buy, whether it was working for a turbine company, my company, consultation, you got to have a common vision. And, and what do we call that in the quality world? We we'll call it our quality policy. Why is it that auditors are told to ask employees if they know their quality policy? I mean, not because it's a checkbox on our audit, which I guess a lot of people think it is, but that's not why. The reason we want to know if, you know, your, you know, welder helper who does nothing but grind and, you know, uh, grind parts and rat out cracks, why in the world does he need to know the quality policy? Because he needs to understand the top-level objective and, and philosophy of the organization that he's dedicating 50, 60 hours a week to. 
And if he can know that, he's more apt to be in alignment with what, um, with what, what he's told to do. What the vision is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it says to do it through your language and your actions. Yeah. We tell our 10-year-old that all the time. Actions <laughs> yes. speak louder than words. Yes. <laughs> um, number five is empower people in the organization to act on this vision. So allow them some yeah. freedom, yep. I guess. You do. You have to allow a little bit of freedom. But part of it, too, is um, this is another commonly, commonly overlooked tool that we all have in an organization. It's called a job description. Oh my gosh, I've gone into so many companies to audit or consult, and no one has job descriptions. And some management members are just outright opposed to it. They hate it. They don't want to put down what this person's supposed to do because they, they kind of like to just tell them to do whatever they want. <laughs> um, but they all have that statement in there and any other task required by management. But when you start putting this stuff on paper, um, that person knows exactly what they are and are not allowed to do. There's no question. There's no uh, lack of clarity. Um, and then so if you want to put this person in a position to do something new, document it for them. Show them, and then, but don't, pre don't present it, I guess, because I've seen these presentations go horribly wrong before. Um, you know, don't present it like, here's uh, some new stuff you need to do. Make sure you get this done. If you screw up, I'm like, eh, you can't do that. But empower them, say, look, this is now yours. I want to see what you can do with it. Now, you'll get two responses. Is, yay, that's great. I, I, I'll make you proud, boss. Or, what are you going to give me for it? And either way, you can say, I want to see you do well. And then you can have that conversation later on. But you have to give someone... Allow them to take risks. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you got to let them take risks and know that if they fail... Um, as long as uh, it was within the bounds of what they were told to do, they're going to be okay. Yeah. So the next step is to plan for visible short-term performance improvements. And I liken this to your kids. You got to give them a little reward or instead yep. of just like you said, how much are you going to pay me for this? So when they take a risk and it worked, yeah. make sure you recognize their achievement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that can go a thousand ways. And you, know, you have to really pay attention to the individual person because everyone's got different motivations. Uh, some people would just die to have their name mentioned at the next company lunch for something cool that they did. Some people would die if you did that to them. <laughs> um, I but... be recognized too. <laughs> All right. Number seven is consolidate improvements and produce more change. Oh, yeah. So this is kind of a, <laughs> gosh, this is like the heart of what uh, continual improvement really is. Again, uh, it's, it just sickens me when I walk into an organization and we talk, you know, we get to the continual improvement uh, part of the audit and it's just deer in headlights or they just give me a uh, list. I've literally had people print out their uh, capital expenditures list and hand that to me and say this is our continual improvement through the year. I'm like, no, these are just big things that you recorded the cost of for tax reasons. Um, that, that doesn't necessarily mean these are improvements. Could be, but doesn't make them improvements. And if you did that, what led up to that $1 million expenditure? You didn't do it just because you felt like it. Maybe the Chicago school district, you know, might have after they went through, you know, 17 people to sign off on it. Um, but you, you didn't just do it because it, it was there. It was, uh, what, was the, what was the thought process to it? What led up to it? What data did you analyze to decide that you even needed a new solution? Kind of how did this go? And when you start asking those questions, um, 
you get a sense real quick as to uh, is this company or organization concerned about improvement and continual improvement, or are they just concerned with getting through the audit? I think that's the case. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last step, number eight, is to institutionalize new approaches. So. Yeah, yeah. So if you have something that works, and, and I'm, I'm the documentation uh, king, although I have to be honest, I, I struggle with it sometimes for my own business, so I guess I'm having a little more sympathy for some of the folks that I audit <laughs> now. Um, I didn't used to have much sympathy, but I'm having a little more as I go on. Um, is if you got something that works, it, put it on paper and put a revision number on it. Um, and then once you do that, and this kind of ties back in, tell people about it. Teach people on it. Show them what they did. You know, maybe if you need to keep track for compliance purposes, say we're talking about, you know, some health and safety or some environmental concerns, right? You got to have proof that you talk to someone about the new process. Literally have them sign the back of the procedure and take a picture of it when you're done and store that in your training records. I mean, there's easy solutions to this stuff, but you got to talk about it. And then once you talk about it to people, if you really got an awesome team, what's going to happen is someone's going to look at it and they're going to have some feedback. They're going to have a suggestion of something you didn't even think of. Yeah, which is the taking risks and offering new ideas. Yep. So um, that wraps up this article as I think well. So. Are there any questions on that one? Questions, comments? Yep. Well, uh, in the beginning, you were talking about creating a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think you accused me of being lazy. Oh, <laughs> you said everybody's lazy. Kyle did, and, and not me. I prefer to think of it as I like to conserve energy, that, not lazy. And you know what? That is our little slogan, to save time and energy it for is. what matters really most. Is. So okay. it's, not, it's not being lazy. Not lazy. Okay. It's saving your time and energy. All right, all right. Um, and, I, and I stepped out of the room for a little bit, um, but I have no idea how to get a podcast. I ain't never done one. Did you Did you already tell the group how to do that? No, no. we didn't talk about that. Could you? We yeah. can. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be Kyle's thing, I think. He met Mark LeCur. I don't know if any of you guys know him. Great guy. At, where did you meet him? At one of his... No, actually, um, I sent out, I, I got a, this is terrible, I created a bot for LinkedIn to just go out and <laughs> randomly message people, randomly connect and message people on LinkedIn, because you're starting a business, you just got to try to find everywhere you can to talk to people. And so I guess I fooled him, and so he contacted me, and he was really interested in what we did, so I hopped on his podcast, I think I was on episode number 18 or 28, something like that. And uh, so we just kind of talked after that and, you know, really, really got to know each other. He's a speaker. He speaks all over. Yeah. And he has six or seven podcasts now. Seven he doesn't now. host all of them, but he manages them under his one umbrella. Yeah. Um, so Kyle said, hey, I think I want to start a podcast. And I said, okay. Um, anyways, and so then he set up a meeting with Mark. and. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. <laughs> so there's, there's kind of a lot of, uh, not a lot, but um, enough tech stuff, geek stuff on the back end that it's not just something anyone uh, would do. do. Yeah. Uh, but you got to have a domain. You know, you got to have the, uh, I, I would really suggest if, you know, like a WordPress site just because they're so easy to use compared to anything else. Um, then there's a ton of different hosting providers out there. Someone will actually host your RSS feed. And so RSS is kind of like an ancient part of the internet that uh, is still around for some stuff. 
Um, so we use Blueberry for our um, RSS feed. Cool thing about Blueberry is you get to own everything. And so if you want to switch your RSS to someone else, they'll let you. Oh. Okay. Oh, well, that's easy. <laughs> don't let us bore you with the technical <laughs> stuff because I don't do that either. <laughs> See, I can tell you the geeky stuff all day. Um, okay. Our podcast is at qmcast.com or on Apple Tunes or Google Play, and yeah. it's Quality Matters just like you see so up there. You just uh, search the hashtag Quality Matters, um, either on, yeah, like I say, on, on iTunes, on the, uh, the Google Podcast, we're on Stitcher, we're on Intune, we're now on uh, Spotify. I think I'm everywhere that podcasts are played except for Pandora. And we just do a search. Almost, yeah, just about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or go to QMCast. Or you uh, can he, go to, oh, he's got there it. We go. <laughs> <laughs> so go to QMCast. Also, um, grab one of our business cards. All the information's on the back. Yeah, you can go to our website and it has catch yes. the podcast. So we got some there if you want to hand them out. I got a question. Sure. Yes. You say that there's no quality podcast, this is kind of the first one. How, is, how has been welcoming us? How many listeners have, or how do you well, measure the impact of the podcast? Kyle's going to pull up the metrics right now. Got the metrics. So, um, total downloads we've had. Um, we started our first episode was released on March twelfth. Yes. So, what is that? About three months ago. About three months. So, so far we've had one thousand five hundred and fifty-five downloads. Um, today we've had forty-four. Ooh. Um, yesterday we had thirteen. It was a slow day, I guess. Um, <laughs> So, and we've got, what, 18 episodes out so far? I don't I think know, so. I'm not I think sure. 18. So, well, there's a lot of mics. So, okay. I think... Um, <laughs> I'm getting confused, sorry. <laughs> once we started this, I looked up, like, average downloads or whatever. And what was it, 100 downloads a month? Yeah, the average new podcast is 100 downloads in the first month, and we got 300 that first month, so... Yeah. So we're pretty excited. We're kind of out of the box um, because we don't really follow quality in the sense of getting certified or following a standard. Like I said, I'm the host and I try to find different yeah. things to talk about that it can apply to. So if you pull up our podcast, you'll see that we, we talked about the ITC plant fires mm -hmm. that happened mm -hmm. recently. That was close to home. We couldn't not talk about that. Uh -huh. But we talked about a school district that got ISO certified. We talked about the Houston Police Department yeah. botched raid that happened in February and what yep. processes could have been put in place to avoid that. So I purposely look for things that are outside of the yep. manufacturing or oil and gas yeah. industry to draw in other people like myself and that don't necessarily understand the quality and it, world. It, it's really cool that she, you know that she's the one that, that finds these topics um, because, gosh, I would be so freaking boring. I mean, I'd talk about it and have fun with it, but I, I'd find very boring topics to talk about. Um, you know, but she find because she's an outsider to the industry, and uh, so she can, you know, she can see things in the light of what we're really trying to push, right? You know, like I said, when we started this, is we want to push that quality matters, and, and that's not just a fun uh, tagline for the podcast. Like, quality really matters. There's so many aspects of your life that are impacted either positively or negatively because of the, the processes that are in place. And what is the ISO 9001 standard? It's a process management standard. Yep. Any other questions or comments? No? Okay, right. I have one. Um, I will say about the conference, we weren't able to attend, but I did hear through connections on LinkedIn that was awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to run back here. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's going to grab the uh, coffee mugs and we'll go ahead and draw to see who wins, uh, wins each one. So, you know, again, th these are just fun for me. <laughs> and we still have the box. You, you know, you don't have to worry about dropping it or breaking it on the way out. Okay. All right. I'm just going to dump the cards out and swirl them around. Sounds good. Who's this? Let's see. Enrique. Did I say it right? Yay! All right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get to All, right. All right. Moving them around, and we're going to grab this one. All right. Whoops. Gil. Is Gil still here? Yay! Come on now. <laughs> I All right, that's hey guys. All we have for tonight. I guess that's We're it. Good. Thank you very Thank much you. for uh, for your attention. And hey, check out the podcast. I'd love to see a uh, hundred downloads Thank for tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Darcy, Kyle, have yes. you spoken about appreciation from ASPU Houston? Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great experience. We will, be, we will be, hopefully you will break your record of downloads today. <laughs> be great. Well, everybody, please Everybody go home and listen. Yeah. <laughs>